Well, hey, Purpose Church, welcome back to part four of our series, Thriving in Babylon. I'm so excited to be here with you today. My name is Eric, and I'm one of the pastors here at Purpose Church, and I have the privilege of co-preaching alongside one of my friends and heroes in the faith, Eric Vasquez. And we're going to have a really good time looking at the book of Daniel together. And kind of our big idea for today's message is humility earns influence. And before Pastor Eric comes up and begins to unpack that deeper, I want to talk about this idea that humility gets you in the room where it happens. I'm sure you've seen the hit Broadway musical Hamilton. Our very own Darnell Abraham is in it. It's an incredible performance that tells the story of the beginning years of our country, but it does it in this urban hip-hop feel, and it is absolutely electric, and it's an incredible experience. And so our family, we sing it around the house in the room where it happens. And it's this idea that everybody wanted to be where the decisions were being made. Well, how do you get into the rooms of influence? How do you get into the rooms where it happens? It's through humility. And I know we're coming up on Thanksgiving and Christmas and lots of family gatherings. And I want to encourage you, the key ingredient to you having a successful Thanksgiving and Christmas with your family is humility and allowing God to use the humility that he will put inside of you to influence others for Christ. But before we talk about what humility is, let's unpack what humility isn't. Humility isn't having a lack of confidence. Check out Daniel's confidence in in Daniel chapter 2, verses 27 and 28. Daniel replied, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dream and the visions that pass through your mind as you were lying in bed are these. And he begins to confidently describe the dreams that King Nebuchadnezzar had. Well, having uh, humility isn't avoiding ambitious opportunities. Look at what happens in Daniel chapter 2 verses 48 to 49. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. So Daniel was clearly an ambitious leader. Humility isn't downplaying our accomplishments. Look at the end of Daniel chapter 6 verse 22. It says this, nor have I ever, this is Daniel speaking, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. So Daniel's not downplaying his accomplishments, but Daniel is marked as a significant character in the scriptures for having humility. And this is what humility is. Humility is serving and highlighting others for the sake of the gospel. Larry Osborne says this, biblical humility is simply serving others by putting their needs and interests above our own. It also goes one step further. It even serves God's enemies. You see, and Jesus, who had all the permission in the world to require that everybody serve him, 
He, he said this in Mark chapter 10. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I love uh, what the Hillsong Global Senior Pastor Brian Houston says, and I think it directly applies to being a leader with a humble disposition. He says, a leader's goal is to give honor, which by the way, don't you just love the way they spell honor? Like, can't you just picture, give honor? You know what I mean? Like, I love that British spelling right there. Give honor quicker than you expect it. Champion others rather than demanding that others champion you. You know, I think there's a perfect illustration in Victor Glover. You see, Victor Glover is, uh, he's one of three crewmates, fellow astronauts Mike Hopkins and Shannon Walker and Japan's Soichi Noguchi, who left Earth on Sunday evening, November 15th, aboard the SpaceX Crew Dragon capsule, The Resilience. The launch kicked off Crew-1, SpaceX, first ever contracted, fully operational astronaut mission to the space station for NASA. Here's what's awesome. Glover is the first African-American to ever begin a full six-month stint on the International Space Station. And in typical astronaut fashion, Glover has been self-effacing about his place in history. He's been deflecting the spotlight onto his crewmates and the other people. He has been highlighting them for the hard work that they have put in. In an interview before takeoff, Glover said, I am honored to be in this position and to be a part of this great and experienced crew. And you know, this mission for us at Purpose Churches is extra special because our very own Steve Albrigo has actually been working on this project. He works for SpaceX and he's, he's been involved in several aspects of the resilience project. But what you may not know about Victor Glover is this, that he grew up here in Pomona. And most importantly, he is a follower of Jesus with a strong faith in Christ. I read an article this week that said, astronaut Victor Glover wasn't trying to get away from God as he blasted into the International Space Station. Glover took on board with him communion cups and the word of God. He's gonna be there for six months. So he brought communion cups and the word of God. He plans to utilize the strong internet connection aboard the spacecraft to access faith-based programs. And no joke, this is what it said in the article. Along with reading the Bible and praying, the 44-year-old Victor Glover said in a video interview last week that he also plans to participate in virtual church services, just like many of you are, and he also plans to engage in virtual giving I just got to say the obvious, right? If Victor Glover can figure out how to tithe from space, y'all, we don't have much of an excuse. You know what I mean? This guy loves Jesus and he is using his position of influence in order to point people to Christ. You see, friends, you can relate to those around you in one of two ways. You can build a wall or you can build a bridge. The first will hinder the gospel and the latter will advance the gospel. Can I just ask you as we're going into lots of family time together and, and being with each other, are you building a wall or are you building a bridge between you and your neighbors? 
Are you building a wall or a bridge between you and your spouse, between you and your coworkers? Are you building walls or are you building bridges? Because when we choose to have the posture of humility, serving others, seeking to understand others, we are building a bridge for the sake of the gospel. I mean, our vision here at Purpose Church is so crystal clear. Everyone, everywhere following Jesus. If we are going to accomplish that, not just as a church, but as individuals, we have to be willing to build bridges for the sake of the gospel. And watch this. Watch how Daniel builds a bridge with King Darius. You see, it went King Nebuchadnezzar and then King Nebuchadnezzar's son took over and then King Darius took over and and King Darius reluctantly issued a decree that if anyone prayed to anything other than King Darius, they would be thrown into a lion's pit. Well, Daniel prays to God and is caught and, and again, King Darius doesn't want to do this, but he throws Daniel into a pit of hungry lions. He comes back the next morning, assuming that Daniel has been torn to shreds and he calls out to Daniel in the pit of the lions and listen to the words that come out of Daniel's mouth. Daniel chapter six, verses 21 to 22. Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. Are you kidding me? Daniel literally looks at the man who threw him in a pit to be devoured by lions. And the first thing that come out of my mouth, the first thing that comes out of his mouth is not you jerk, is not you idiot, is not why in the world would you do this to me? It's may the king live forever. And then what does he do? He draws the attention to God. He builds a bridge with the king who wanted to end, who planned to end his life. He builds that bridge for the sake of winning him over. Man, how are we gonna survive this season? It's going to be building bridges. How are we gonna get into the room where it happens? It's going to be through humility like Daniel exhibited. You know what I love about Purpose Church is we have so many modern day Daniels in our church. Many of your workplaces or your schools, your boardrooms, your nonprofit organizations, your government offices are at best not explicitly Christian and at worst, they're downright hostile to what you believe. And we have two options before us, to isolate ourselves or to infiltrate with the gospel. Friends, I'm so excited for Pastor Eric Vasquez to come up here and to share with us. We are so blessed here at Purpose Church to have Eric Vasquez on our staff as our group's coordinator. I've known Eric for about seven years now, and I'm telling you, this guy lives out what it means to influence culture for the purposes of God's kingdom. He has an incredible nonprofit organization where much of his ministry is happening outside of the church walls. It's called Just Us for youth, and they specifically work with at-promise students who need a little extra support and resources to thrive in all the ways that God desires for them. And so I'm so excited for Eric to come up and continue our series and to continue the discussion on how humility earns influence. Would you, from the chat or wherever you're at, welcome Pastor Eric Vasquez. I'm so happy to be here today. Thank you, Pastor Glenn. 
Thank you, Pastor Eric. Uh, I'm somewhat of a new face to some of you, so if you don't know me, once again, my name is Pastor Eric Bosquez, and I have the privilege of serving on the group's ministry team. My family and I have been attending Purpose Church for the last seven years, and uh, we love Purpose, and we call it our home. I have, uh, I'm so excited as I've been preparing to share with you guys this morning uh, from the book of Daniel, and I want to kind of reconnect you to and build upon Pastor Glenn's messages over the last couple of weeks. Remember that Daniel was from Jerusalem, and he was taken into exile from his home and moved into a city called Babylon. And remember that Babylon, for us, represents a place that is anti-God or, or post-Christian, And I want to encourage you all this morning that as followers of Jesus, you will indeed eventually find yourself in a Babylon. But we should know that God in his sovereignty, he purposely plants his people in dark places, in godless cultures where he is already at work. And he does this because he wants his gospel light to shine bright in the most unlikely of spaces. You know, as Pastor Eric Holmstrom was sharing just a moment ago, I've had the privilege of living and serving here in the city of Pomona, my Babylon, over the last 15 years. And it has been filled with many seasons of suffering and seasons of success. Uh, It's been a beautiful mess, man, I'll tell you. It's been a lot of ups and downs over the years. But it's been my greatest honor to live uh, here in the city and love and serve the people of this community. It was in 2007 when I was leading on the north side of the city as a young pastor who had church planted, when I realized that God had called me to Pomona. Uh, I was working with some youth in the community and there was this young man by the name of Andrew. He came with 300 hours of community service and nobody would take this dude, right? He looked like a little cholillo. He looked like a gangster from the neighborhood. And I just said, you know what? I'm gonna take a risk. Come on in, youngster. Let me help you out. So for three months, we were chipping away at those hours. And, and over that time, I had a chance to build a bond with him. And at the end of the, three, the 300 hours, I sat with him in my office and I said, hey, Andrew, God loves you. He has a plan for your life. And I want to affirm you for many reasons. And I want you to know that I believe in you. And I'm always one phone call away. So if you ever need anything, bro, just let me know, right? So there he went with his court certification. And I finished my day. And when it was time to leave, I gathered my things. I went out to my car. And I sat down, and I realized that somebody had stole my car stereo. And I started racking my brain. I'm like, who could have stole my car stereo? But I remember Andrew's original case was because he had GTA, Grand Theft Auto, car theft, (laughs) and he was stealing car stereos and car parts. And then I looked around, and I got frantic because I couldn't see my CDs. And for those of you who know me, I love music. I love hip-hop, man. That's my thing. And I was tripping out, like, where the heck did they go? And I'm like, this dude. So I took a moment, I took a deep breath, and I began to pray. Nah, I didn't pray, man. I was pissed. I went to his house. I banged on his door. I demanded his mom to let me see him. He wasn't there, but she actually let me into his room. And there I go, and there's my car stereo all messed up because he had jimmied it outside of my car. But we couldn't find the CDs. And I wondered, where could they be? So I went to the local pawn shop, and sure enough, he had pawned them. So there... In my anger, I sat and I prayed again. No, I didn't. (laughs) I went back to his pad. I sat in my car. Minute by minute, my anger grew and grew. And then I saw this car pull up closer to about 10 p.m. And Andres, Andrew, jumps out of the vehicle with one of his homies. And the Lord checked my heart. And he told me, you know what? Forgive this cat. So I, in humility, man, 
I lowered myself. I went to him and I said, you know what, bro? I'm sad that you jacked me and you took my things when I showed you much love. And I said, but I love you and I forgive you and I still believe in you. And if you need anything, I'm only one phone call away. I dapped him up. That means shaking hands. I left and I never heard from Andrew again, only to later hear that he was in jail and that he's going to be there for a long time. But it was in that moment, that moment where I began to understand that God had called me to this Babylon, Pomona. And in order to last in this space, in this place, this city, I knew that I was going to have to learn to humble myself in a way that would cause me to learn to love the unlovable and to forgive the unforgivable and to welcome the undesirable. I realized then and there that I was designed to serve and that I was going to serve in a way that would have to put other people's needs above my own for the sake of the gospel. And you know, as I studied the book of Daniel, I, I realized Daniel probably had a similar moment as I did. You know, all of a sudden, right, I can imagine him as his nation was overcome by King Nebuchadnezzar. And as he was put into the service of the king, his whole world turned upside down. Everything yanked out from under him, right? There he was, and I could hear the Holy Spirit whisper into his ear and God speak to him saying, you know what, my son, you may not know what's going on right now. You may not see the bigger picture, but I'm with you. And I want you to stay faithful to me and stay obedient and hold fast to your identity and know who you are in me. And I promise you that I will use your life and all that I have blessed you with so that many people would come to know me, love me, and serve me. And there Daniel went, stepping into Babylon with full humility and confidence. And I believe the apostle Paul understood this just as well. And in humility, Paul wrote to the church in Corinthian. To the Corinthians, the church in Corinth, he says this, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. This resonates with me, man. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly or humble things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. You see, Paul and Daniel were tuned into a godly humility. He knew what it meant to not see himself as too accomplished or wise. He knew that apart from God, he was no one and nothing. And they knew the power of God and the influence that God had given them. And it's with this knowledge and it's when we live out of this place of our heart, when we give room for God to use dudes like Paul and Daniel and you and I to thrive in Babylon and to advance the kingdom of God and the gospel. And whenever I feel myself move out of this humble posture, I always say humble statements like these and it helps me to get back into the right place. And I wanna encourage you to ingrain this on your heart. For those of you who, gets tat, who get tats, man, this might be a cool tattoo. I might get in trouble for that one, right? <laughs> but check this out. It says this, it is God in us who gains ground and influence in Babylon. It is God in us, only him in us that can gain ground and influence in our Babylon. It is God in us who shames the strong and the wise. It is only God who will use our humble hearts and lowly hearts to accomplish his great work. Now, Purpose Fam, I want you to know 
that God is calling us to a place of influence, right? He's calling us to a place that we would not normally go to. And he's also calling us to a people that we would not normally choose to do life with. And boy, have I discovered this here as I've lived in the city of Pomona for the last 15 years. And I've come to know that God will use you and I to infiltrate and influence a culture here in cities like Pomona and Babylon for his namesake. He will use us to love, serve, evangelize, and disciple those who are the furthest from the truth of the gospel. And God, who was doing magnificent work in Babylon, is also doing work in the lives of the believers all around this world. He's cultivating servant hearts. He's filling them with courage, hope, and a godly humility so that all of his children can thrive in Babylon and come to know, love, and serve him. And we especially here at Purpose Church believe that God is at work every, in everyone, everywhere, so that they would follow Jesus. But we especially believe this to be true in our hometown, the city of Pomona. We believe that God has strategically placed our church here to infiltrate the culture with the gospel. I mean, come on, man, we're smack dat in the middle of the city, in the hood. And we are committed here at Purpose to share the good news with the least, the lost, and the last. But not just with them. We're committed to sharing the good news of the gospel with leaders in the community, with our police chief, our district attorney, our mayor, assemblymen, and our senators, and much, much more. Now let's not get it twisted, all right? The city of Pomona is a beautiful city with beautiful people, but it's also very well known for being a corridor for human trafficking. I could tell you story after story of young 14-year-old girls that I work with who have been wrapped up in this horrible, horrendous ring that is so unfair and unjust to our beautiful children here in our city. Pomona is known for a city that is struggling with homelessness. We see people suffering through poverty who are scattered all across our city. Pomona is known to be a a gang-infested and a drug-riddled community. It's known to be a place where crime and violence are on the uptick, especially in the youth culture. Now, for me, this is kind of where I exist, and I want to turn your eyes to the screen, and I want to share a few stories of three beautiful young men that I stand here today speaking in honor of. And I want you to remember these faces and these names because they will forever be etched into my heart. And they, their lives will forever motivate me to continue to serve and thrive in my Babylon. From my right on over, we have Andrew, who was 16 years old. We have Tony, who was 18, and Andrew, who was 18. All three of these young men over the last three months have lost their lives. And their story is connected to mine. When I first came to the city, I felt called to the campuses, and I saw many young people slipping through the cracks and literally losing their lives. So I was motivated to chase after them and gain influence in the campuses and love with the godly love and serve in a manner that I know that they would see God in me. So I met each of them in middle school and I saw them through the seasons. I accompanied them through their highs and lows and each of them were so beautiful. You guys would have loved them. If you spent 30 minutes with these cats, man, they would have grabbed your heart and you would have never forgotten them. They had such great sense of humor. They were such strong leaders, so charismatic. God had such a purpose and a plan for them, but unfortunately they lost their lives. And these young men fell victim to the pains of the city. But I 
find hope in many things. One of the things that I find hope in is that I actually had opportunities to share the gospel with these young men. And I believe that their destinies were changed because of the truth of Jesus as they heard it and as they saw it lived out in my own life. I find hope in times like these in Jesus knowing that it is he who is with us through our mourning. It is he who is with us and with the families as they mourn the loss of their children. And we find hope also in the fact that God is also currently now activating the humble hearts of believers like you to continue the care for children like these three beautiful young men, to continue to care and look out for the youth and the families of your Babylon, and so that you would share the liberating truth of the gospel which would change lives and alter destinies. And you know what? That's what Daniel did. His light rescued the lives of many people, including his friends. His humble stance proclaimed God to be the one true God for all to know and for all to see. So Purpose Church, I want to encourage you once again, stay humble and with courage, hope, and humility, know that we together can shake the foundations of hell, advancing the kingdom of God into Babylon. Know that in Babylon, God is in control. As we take a closer look at Daniel's story and life, we can learn a few more things that we can take away and apply to our own lives so that we too can be used by God while we do life in Babylon. You see, Daniel was able to thrive in Babylon because he learned a handful of things and he lived them out. These are what I call rhythms of humility. The first rhythm that Daniel lived out was he knew that he needed to learn the culture where he was, where he was staying at, where he was living. And he needed to learn to love the people. In Daniel chapter 1, verses 4 through 6, the Bible says this, The king called for young men without any physical defect, Handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature. Just stop there, okay? Think about that. When he learned the culture, he learned the language of the city, right? He learned the literature of the city. He was connected to the heartbeat of Babylon. Let's keep going. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three full years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. <clears throat> Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. When we take a look at Daniel's life, man, we see this rhythm of humility lived out. This dude immersed himself in the culture of Babylon. But the dope thing about it, the best thing about it, is although he was fully immersed, he didn't fold and he didn't adopt the cultural values. He stood strong. He knew the language, the literature. He knew where youth kicked it at night. He knew what the king's favorite dinner was. He knew the heartbeat of the city. He knew where the best taco men were on the corners of the streets. And he knew much, much more. And as he was immersed in the city, he began to do life with people who were in the city. And he began to see, man, these are people who, although they are far from God, although it's a post-Christian generation here, right? These are people who are cherished by God. These are people who are deeply loved by God. And along the way, he learned to love them the same. And when we learn to love people like that with a godly love, we begin to stop demonizing those who are on the margins. When we learn to love with a godly love, we begin to advocate for those who are oppressed and without justice. And when we learn to love like that, 
we begin to see God at work in the lives of the unbelieving. Daniel also learned to increase his contact with godless leaders and institutions. He learned that in order to enter into the room, he had to have a humble posture and build with people who were on the total opposite end of his beliefs. He knew that he had to build bridges and friendships and relationships, and he was going to have to deal with some things that were very challenging, right? And I have also experienced some of these same things. Uh, I say this with the utmost respect and sensitivity, but one of the saddest things that I have seen in the community is when people are having big meetings and conversations that are shaping the city and that will affect the broader population, the broader community, and we have not many Christians around the table. I think like Daniel, when you understand these rhythms of humility, you understand that you've got to be around these kinds of leaders and institutions so that you can sit on community collaboratives and have a voice. When Christians activate in humility, they begin to get involved and, and they're civically engaged. They begin to join the local school districts and advocate for children and their education. They begin to work to change policies which would benefit those who are marginalized and oppressed. This is what it looks like to live life from humility. Another thing that Daniel did is he engaged everyone respectfully. Every time you see Daniel engage a guard, a chief official, a king, he was so tactful. And that respect and tact allowed him to build relationships that would benefit the kingdom of God. Another rhythm of humility that we see from Daniel is he knew what it meant to not defile his identity. In Daniel chapter 1 verse 8. We see that it's not just with food, but here the scripture uses that as an example. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. It wasn't just with food that he chose not to defile himself. Remember, Daniel was in training for three years, man. He took every occult, an astrology test, he passed the courses, right? But he did not adopt these beliefs. He did not defile his identity in Christ by allowing it to be tainted by these other ungodly ideals. He did not give in to the pressure to give up his Jewish identity and rather he leaned into his sonship. And I wanna encourage you to do the same thing today. How can we have influence in our Babylon? By leaning into our sonship and by not defiling our Christian identity. It's not easy, and you're gonna get up against some bumps in the road, but in God's name, we will be victorious. And as you kind of live life this way, you can grow confident in God and his ability to grant you this influence. You grow confident in the fact that God is with you and for you and working in your favor. And in that confidence, as you, in, you grow in your intimacy with God, he begins to uncover different gifts that he's given you to continue to impact and influence those communities and cultures that you're in. And I put here one of the things, another rhythm of humility is that Daniel totally understood his core wiring. He totally understood that God had uniquely gifted him. Man, if you're watching this today, I want to remind you, whether you know God or not, that God has blessed you and he has created you so uniquely and you have a gift that nobody else has. Nobody can do it better than you and we need you as a part of the body of Christ to work together to advance the kingdom. Daniel knew his core wiring. And I want to read to you out of the book of Daniel, 
in verse 1, verse 17, uh, this is what the Bible says. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them to be 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. Uh, as I begin to work with people, uh, I, one of the first things I ask them is like, man, what, what makes you different? What has God given you that sets you apart, right? It's, there's, a, there's a rhythm of humility. When you begin to understand that God has blessed you uniquely, you begin to see kind of your, your place in the kingdom and how God helps you to identify your point of influence in which you would serve out of. So for me, man, I'm kind of a risk taker, right? I'm resourceful, I'm passionate, I'm resilient. I like to ask for things a lot. <laughs> so my pastor, Pastor Greg, that I work very close with, you know, he probably shakes in his boots because he doesn't know what I'm going to ask for next. You know, hey, pastor, can we do this? Can we go out to the hole and invite all these people? Like, hey, let's go down to this neighborhood. You know, that's kind of how I'm wired. I have an apostolic wiring. How are you wired? Do you truly understand that God has called you and gifted you in a way that he has done no other person? Another thing that I want to share is that in this process, God begins to help you to understand that he allows you to gain influence over time. And Daniel understood this very, very well. You know, one of my favorite authors, uh, Eugene Peterson, uh, the book that, uh, the book, it's, it's titled A Long Obedience in the Same Direction has really shaped my heart and who I am and my commitment to Christ and my commitment to the city. Uh, I believe that Daniel had a long obedience in the same direction. And one of the quotes that he gives us is uh, from his book, he says this, traveling in the way of faith and climbing the ascent to Christ may be difficult, but it's not worrisome. The weather may be adverse, but it's never fatal. We may slip and stumble and fall, but the rope will hold us up. My question to you today is, where is God calling you to a long obedience in your life? Daniel knew that it took him just, I mean, three years just to get into the service of the king, just so that he can get noticed and seen. I've lived here in the city for 15 years, and it's only now that I'm seeing God begin to leverage my life. All glory to God. And he's using me in a way that I never could imagine, and God can do the same thing in you. In humility, Daniel also talks about how we have to learn to bear insults and negativity. You know, serving God in a godless culture is not easy, and people are going to come against you. But God calls us to be people of peace, right? If we're trying to reach people that perceive that we're at war with them, they're not going to be easily influenced. We must, we must remember that those who do not know Jesus are going to live like those who don't know Jesus. But we stay in the posture, in humility, understanding that as we bear insults and negativity, we know that one day there's going to be a possibility through our faithfulness that God will give us an opportunity to share the gospel with those who insult us. 
I want to tell you a story about a gentleman who he and I definitely started off on the wrong foot. I was doing some work on schools, and I really respect the restrictions uh, legally that are placed on me as I'm out there doing my thing. And uh, I know that I can't just come out and share my faith, you know, unashamedly and, and try to proselytize anybody. But this gentleman was accusing me of doing that on all the campuses. And what was crazy is as I was taking these hits and these accusations, they did an investigation. And after asking like 20 plus principals, every single one of them said, no, Eric doesn't do that. No, he does not break the rules and does not break the law. He respects the boundaries. And that gentleman had nothing to say after that. But I saw that there was an opportunity to kind of build with him with one community collaborative. And as we began to kind of do work together, I was able to win him over, you know, over time. I just treated him with respect and in humility, I kept serving him and, and elevating him and, and, and supporting him in his endeavors and his initiatives. And God used that and gave me influence in his life. And I'm happy to say that that person this Saturday is coming with me to LA to a placement called Wayfinder to serve foster youth who are in placement, level 14 placement. And he purchased all the materials that we needed to do some arts and poetry, hip hop with all 14 students that are there. You see how God can work? You see how he can turn that influence? He can do it in me, he can do it in you. I love what the book of 2 Timothy says in chapter two, verse 24, it says this, and the Lord's servant must, be, must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone. And we see this lived out in Daniel's life, right? He must be able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to, the knowledge, to a knowledge of truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. I love that verse. I love that verse. And as I was talking with Pastor Eric Holmstrom, he showed me a little slide, and I love uh, he posted on social media and got a gang of likes, so he wanted me to shout him out on this one, all right? This is Pastor Eric Holmstrom's. I jacked it from him, all right? But it says this, when someone becomes your enemy, here's what Jesus says to do. Number one, love them. Do good to them. Bless them. Pray for them. Give to them. Lend to them. Be kind to them. Be merciful to them. And in humility, that's what gains your influence over time. Lastly, my last point uh, Daniel's rhythms of humility show that each time he was elevated, he increased his amount of humility. Daniel served his captors and wicked masters so well that every single time he was promoted, he ultimately won their favor. And King Nebuchadnezzar and King Darius proclaimed Daniel's God as the only true God. I think in time, you know, as God elevates us, it's our human nature to grow prideful. Oh, I accomplished this. I did this in my own strengths, in my own charisma. But Daniel lived the opposite out. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 9, verse 23, the word of the Lord says this, let not the wise boast of their own wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this, I love this, that they have the understanding to know me. Let us boast in that, that we know God right? And he goes on to say that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, 
declares the Lord. The threat on all believers is pride. And sometimes we allow pride to overtake us and that stunts our ability to influence in our Babylon. You know, when I read this scripture, it, it reminds me of Christ in my life uh, and, and the model of humility that he gave for me. You know, God had him at the right hand and Jesus made the decision, right, willingly to condescend to us, to live amongst us, and then to die for us. And not only to die, but to die a wretched criminal's death on a cross where he shed his blood for the remission of my sins. What greater model of humility than one we find in Jesus Christ? And it's only because of his sacrifice that I have been reconciled to my creator, to my father in heaven. And it's only because of him that I have forgiveness of sin. And I know that some of you who are watching, you may not know Jesus like I do. I know that some of you, this seems like foreign language, but I know that God works in magnificent ways. And if you're watching this and you sense the tug of God on your heart, I want to encourage you to say a humble prayer with me. If you've heard the message of Jesus and, in, and how in his humility he laid his life down for you, I want you to know that that's true. And one of the first steps is to just accept that and believe upon that. And the Bible says that when you believe upon this, right, that you shall be saved, that there's nothing that you need to do except believe that Jesus indeed laid his life down for you and for me, for the remission of our sins. So I want to say a quick prayer for, for those who are hearing this message for the first time. I also want to pray for the Christian, for the believer, the follower of Jesus. Maybe this message stretched your heart. Maybe you are seeing that God has placed you purposely in Babylon for you to gain influence for the sake of the gospel. And you need that humility and godly confidence to take that next step. Believe that God has a purpose and a plan for your life today. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I just thank you for all that you've done for each and every one of us. And we come before you today humbly, acknowledging God that you are so great that you made the greatest sacrifice to reconcile us back to you. You gave your one and only son to lay his life down for us. And Lord, we thank you for that. We believe upon that. We accept that gift today. And we ask you that, even though we may not know all the nuts and bolts to this whole thing, that you would make it clear to us what our next step should be. That you would put people in our path and, and arrange our support systems to come around us where we would be led in the path to righteousness to know you more. Lord, I pray for the follower of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you challenge them today, that you remind them that every member is a minister and that you have purposely placed them in their workplaces, in their cities, in their families to gain ground and influence for the sake of the gospel. Help them to grow in humility and help them to grow in a godly confidence and depend on you every step of the way. We pray these things in your name. Amen and amen. God bless you.